You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. We have got a wonderful podcast to recommend to you this week. They use their platform to advocate for victims and to fight for justice. I can't say enough good things about them. So, if you want to support them like we do, check out and follow their pod. Here's a little bit about the show itself. A Nefarious Nightmare is a true crime podcast focusing on lesser-known crimes and crimes against those deemed extra vulnerable. Every now and then, we cover more well-known crimes due to the fact that it is relevant or even interesting regarding the cases we cover. And the B is a symbol for all victims as we recognize their strength resilience and vulnerability so join us you can find us on apple podcasts spotify or just about any podcast platform remember when you mess with the bees you get the hive condolences are hard when someone loses a loved one it's hard to express the pain we feel for their brokenheartedness to convey the empathy we understand because we too know loss but We don't want to minimize their suffering in that moment either. To acknowledge in silence is difficult because we are accustomed to expressing ourselves in words. But what words are best in times like these? Further, what do you say to someone who loses a loved one unexpectedly? I'm sorry for your loss seems predictable, overused, insufficient. But I know when I say it, I mean it in the way poet Donna Ashworth describes in her poem entitled, Sorry for Your Loss. It reads as follows. When I say, sorry for your loss, it may sound perfunctory, trite even. But what I mean is, I'm sorry that you wake in the night gasping for breath, heart racing in agony. I'm sorry that you will know a lifetime of what-ifs and could-have-beens. I am sorry that you ache for one more minute with your love, knowing it can never be. When I say, sorry for your loss, please know my soul is reaching out to yours in understanding and trying very hard to take away just one little ounce of your pain. Those six short words, I am sorry for your loss, may not seem to say much, but they are weighted with the message of empathy and love and a cathartic bond with the person you're addressing. And in our case this week, a cathartic bond was formed not in six words, but in 140 characters. On January 7th, 2014, A Twitter account bearing a young man's name created its first tweets. One was a video memorial, and the second tweet on that first day was the following message, quote, 34 years ago today, I was murdered. I was 14 and had my entire life to live. My family is still looking for my killer, end quote. 
The next day, followers of the account saw this statement, quote, Tweet from the dead. Through social media, I am able to reach out from the grave and share my story, my life, my murder, end quote. All those first tweets were short messages, but heavy with impact, memory, and with pain. It is this young man's story, as well as his loss, that we are going to share with you today as well, sleuthhounds. This is the story of Bill Comines. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Maggie, our story this week is one that relies heavily on the power of the written word in so many forms, as you'll see as we progress through the case. Some are words that are used for evil and other words that are used for healing and seeking justice. I'm assuming we're talking about a young man. We are. Yes, we are. Younger than typically we cover. Okay. 14. Mm -hmm. And that Twitter account that I mentioned in the introduction is just one example of words that are used for healing when Bill Kameen's younger sister, Kathleen, created that Twitter account and speaks from the perspective of her brother. So giving him a voice through her own. Mm -hmm. Wow. So as we go throughout the episode, I'm actually going to intersperse her words from those tweets within the story, because let's be honest, who better to tell the story of Bill Kameens than the words of somebody who loves him so deeply? Yeah, and she has a way with words. Those were powerful words in that tweet you read. Wait till you hear some of these other ones that I'm going to share with you. They are very impactful. Bill Kameens was called Billy by his friends and family, and as the introduction stated, he was 14 years old when this case took place on January 7th, 1980. He was four days away from his 15th birthday. 
Okay, so definitely a young man then. Yes. He had gone to Norton Middle School in Columbus, Ohio, where his family lives. They actually lived on the west side of the city in an area called New Rome. He had just begun his freshman year of high school the September before at Westland High School in Galloway. And even though he was only a freshman, he was one of those boys who grew fast and his large frame made him look much older than he was. Mm -hmm. I mean, Maggie, when you taught freshmen, there would be times I was out in the hallway to greet my kids and I would see some of your freshmen and I would think that looks like a grown man. (laughs) This this should not be the case. Yeah. And then it would be crazy, you know. Four years down the road to see them walk into your door. <laughs> right. See how much they changed just yeah. in that short amount of time. Yeah. And Billy had a lot of friends and he had a girlfriend at the time. He also had a lot of personal interests in which he was extremely talented, primarily in his musical ability. In fact, he had just taken mm. a job as a newspaper delivery person for the Columbus Dispatch so that he could save up money for his piano. And he was also in high school choir. Yeah. And was often in musicals. That's awesome. That's something I wish I was brave enough to do, like, you know, independently, but I'm not. And I never really have been. I do love to sing in a choir, Mm -hmm. but to do anything where the spotlight's on me that individually, that way it makes me nervous. Oh, yeah. See, I wish I could sing. I cannot. But I was in drama in high school and in college. I did plays in college also. But most important to convey was just how sweet and caring Billy was. You see, because of his size, he made the perfect Santa Claus. And he had actually dressed as Santa and taken a large candy cane to the young boy who lived next door. And he had done this for several years. Oh, Mm -hmm. I know. That's so sweet. Yep. And just days before on Christmas 1979, he had played Santa for another year, you know, for that little boy. And the little boy's name was Buddy. So for Buddy next door. I know. And if that image of a 14-year-old boy willing to dress as Santa for a neighborhood child doesn't say how, you know, many wonderful qualities Billy had to his character. Mm -hmm. I don't know what does. Yeah, really. So obviously Christmas had just come and gone and the family had celebrated together as always as well. Billy's mom and dad, his two older brothers, Billy himself and his younger sister, Kathleen, who was nine at the time. So you know how exciting Christmas was at that age. Oh, yeah. The best. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say that's probably one of the best ages for Christmas and Santa because Mm -hmm. they still believe in Santa Claus, but they're old enough to, like, actually want to play with their toys and not the boxes that they come in. (laughs) You know, all of that stuff. And it was a wonderful Christmas for all of them. Billy had actually gotten some new winter gear. He got a scarf and some gloves. He got an ID bracelet, some clothes, and other things that he wanted. And I don't know about you, Maggie, but almost as wonderful as it is to watch my family open the Christmas gifts that I got for them that I've thought so much about 
are the days right mm-hmm. after Christmas when it's not yet time to take down the decorations and there's maybe some snow on the ground and you just get to laze around the house and enjoy the gifts that you received, like read a book, mm-hmm. watch a movie. And when I was younger, play with all the toys. Oh, I loved Christmas, like those, you know, one or two days right after, and you're mm-hmm. playing all the board games you got, oh, yeah. and yeah. playing with your new Barbie. It's just so mm-hmm. fun, and you have nothing right. to do, except exactly. just enjoy the new things you have. Yeah, and it sounds like the Comines family was the same. Tweet, quote, my sis got a jewelry making kit one Christmas. I made her a beaded ring. She still has it end quote. Is that not so sweet? I can just picture Billy sitting with his little sister Kathleen and making her a beaded ring from her jewelry making kit that she got one Christmas. Did you say, I think you did, but did you say the age difference between the brother and sister? So he's 14 and she's nine. So five years. Yeah, you did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Billy was that close with all of his family. I don't know the ages of his older brothers, but I know that they were extremely tight-knit. And you can tell from all the pictures that are linked on that Twitter account, too. Yeah, I want to go to the Twitter account, but I'm going to wait until the end so I don't spoil anything. right. Even the events of January 7th, 1980, revealed just how close they all were. So Kathleen had gone to a friend's birthday party down the road. It was only two doors down, to be exact. So really close. And the rest of the family had planned to, I saw in one account, go to a movie and another to go shopping. But their plan was to go out while Kathleen was at the party. But the family car was acting up. So, and I know, car trouble. So, instead of going out, they had stayed in with Bill's dad working on the car in the garage. And while his dad was working, Billy was keeping him warm by bringing him cup of hot coffee after cup of hot coffee. Oh, that's such a sweet way to help. Because I feel like anytime dads are in the garage working on something, it's a testy time. So, bringing coffee is a good way to... Keep things running smooth. (laughs) That's right. Keep everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah. And after helping his dad for a little bit, Billy let his parents know at around 9 p.m. that he was going to go those two houses down to pick his sister Kathleen up and walk her home. But when he got to the party, the party wasn't quite over yet. So being the awesome big brother that he was he suggested to Kath, you know that Kathleen stay a little bit longer and he would come back and get her and just let her play a little bit more and then come back again because again the house is only two two doors down oh yeah so he's not having to walk a significant distance just enough to get out exactly yeah not drive a far away or anything like that so Billy came back home. He told his mother that he was going to go back out here in just a few minutes to get Kathleen and that he had let her stay at the party a few minutes longer until it had ended. He went to check on his dad again, took him some more coffee, and then he just took it upon himself, which again, what a good kid, to start taking down the yard Christmas decorations. Yeah, he doesn't sound like a typical 14-year-old boy. He's very... 
Like, I don't want to yeah. sound mean, but very helpful and very yes. attentive. Yes, which is wonderful. So Billy's father mm-hmm. came out of the garage around 20 minutes later after Billy had brought him that coffee to help Billy with the decorations. But he wasn't there. And Christmas decorations were still partially up. So he had just assumed that, you know, Billy must have gone back to pick up his sister because he said he was going to go back in a few minutes. But he hadn't told his dad that he was going somewhere. So his dad went in to see if Billy's mom knew where Billy was. Right. Because he's thinking, okay, well, if he didn't tell me, Mm -hmm. he had to have told his mom. So he says, hey, you know, did Billy go to pick up Kathleen? But she actually told her husband that she hadn't spoken with him since he told her that the party was running a little late and he was going to go back later. So no one had spoken with Billy. And realizing that Billy had never gone to pick up his sister because he would have told them. And, well, what I just said, he hadn't told his parents where he was going, which was very much unlike him, especially so given recent events that I'm going to discuss here in just a moment that you don't know about yet. But as soon as they realized that he had not told either one of them where he was going, they immediately phoned the police to file a missing persons report. You will see why And I mean, not a lot of time has passed, correct? No, about 20 minutes. And that's 30 minutes minutes or so by the time they... Yeah, probably. So while the police were canvassing the neighborhood, Billy's dad and his brothers and a neighbor were out searching as well. Then the next street over passed only 16 houses near the Conrail Railroad tracks and about 20 minutes after their search began. So we're still less than an hour after when Billy's dad last saw him. Billy's father and neighbor found Billy face down in the snow. I mean, the look of shock on my face right now. Mm -hmm. We have had some cases that are really quick. Yeah. But I don't know that we've had one. This quick? That's been 50 Mm -hmm. minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Billy's father yelled for help, and Billy's brothers, Michael and Bob, came running. Billy had been strangled with his own scarf, which was so tight around his neck. When Billy's brother, Michael, came running over, he had to cut it off with his knife. God, and that's so traumatic. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, I can't imagine. I know. Yeah, it is not lost on me that his brother probably carried a pocket knife without thinking about it, you know, just to like whittle wood or Mm -hmm. open up a package or everyday things like that. You never think that this pocket knife would be linked to the worst experience of your life. You know, then it it becomes an everyday object that you can never view the same again. Mm hmm. Yep. Of the other brother, Bob, we have this tweet, quote, my brother is standing in his backyard right now thinking about me. You found me in that ditch and put your breath in my lungs. I love you, end quote. You see, Billy's other brother, Bob, immediately got to his knees 
and began CPR. Wow. I mean, right, because he's not been deceased for very long. No, right. Yeah, this is just, and I don't even know. You would hold hold out hope. Right. It wasn't clear whether he still had a pulse at this point and had Mm. just been, you know, but again, the longer you're deprived of oxygen, obviously, that's bad. Yeah. And so I I know that he wasn't, well, but let me tell you this. By the time that law enforcement got to Billy, of course, they're hearing the screaming, nearly 40 neighbors had gathered around the scene crying. Wow. Billy, yeah, that's how many people were out looking. Billy was immediately taken to the hospital where he was declared deceased at 11 p.m. So pretty much as soon as he got to the hospital. The cause of death was cardiac arrest due to compression of the neck from ligature. Interestingly, a toxicology report showed Valium in Billy's bloodstream. However, according to all those who knew Billy, they indicated that they didn't know of him ever having taken Valium, nor did anyone in his family where he could have, you know, gained access. Do we have any theories on where that came into play? We do not. Nope. That, well, there's one Hmm. theory where it will be discussed. Yes, we will come back to it in one of the theories, but it's not necessarily a theory that I believe. So there's that. Other than the strangulation, Mm -hmm. Billy had no other wounds, including defensive wounds or bruises on his body. And since there was no mention of needle marks that would indicate, you know, someone had given Billy Valium intravenously. It tells me that it must have been an oral dose for it Mm -hmm. to be in his system. But the coroner's report declared Billy's death a homicide. The pastor came in to let Billy's parents know that he was gone. His father sobbed. His mother screamed. Tweet, quote, Have you ever felt a hurt so deep that you didn't know how you could go on? Have you cried so hard you couldn't feel your body? My family has. End quote. I hope that if the person that killed Billy is still out there, that they have stumbled on this Twitter account and it is like a personal dagger to the heart in their stomach every time they read. Yeah. As for his baby sister, well... This tweet said it best, quote, September 1979, my eight-year-old little sister learned a new word this month, patechia. I wish we never knew what that meant, end quote. And patechia, for those who don't know, is when the blood vessels burst above the area of strangulation. Hmm. When his sister heard the news, she threw up. Oh, I don't doubt it. So traumatic. So traumatic. This was a loss 
everyone who knew Billy and knew the family felt. Kathleen herself tweeted, quote, our kitchen was just the right size for the six of us around the table. Once Bill's chair sat empty, it was too big, end quote. And I do think that is so true. Yeah. You feel the presence of your dead loved one all the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think more so when your family is gathered around the table, there's a mm-hmm. that's empty and that can mm-hmm. never be filled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody else can sit in it, but it's it's not right. That picture, that image, it's not what it should be. And for a family who was that close, for a child that young, and for him to have been murdered, that's an experience that changes you at your core. I mean, someone took from this mm-hmm. world a beautiful and talented soul. Law enforcement in a press conference said of Billy that he was, quote, a perfect student, perfect child, and perfect citizen, end quote. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you say. I know you said there was a reason their parents called the police so quickly, and I'm interested to see what that is, because he does seem like the perfect person. Mm -hmm. You'll hear here in just a short second. And wait till you hear this contrast that came from the Twitter account. Tweet, quote, My hands drew, made music, tickled my sister, high-fived my brothers, handed tools to dad, and top-shelf items to mom. Your hands killed me. End quote. Wow. Yeah, the contrast of it is, is gut-wrenching. As you can imagine, Maggie, his funeral was also heartbreaking. All of Billy's friends attended, but as mentioned in another tweet, had to have their parents drive them because they weren't old enough to drive themselves. And, you know, that's an image that you don't ever think of either, is, you know, a funeral for someone Mm -hmm. where the friends of the lost loved one are so young that their parents have to drive them. Yeah. Billy was, it is Billy was dressed in a sweater that he had gotten for Christmas. It was the first time he had Mm. worn it. No, his, I know his mother leaned down to kiss him for the last time. Tweet quote, My last Christmas, my mom gave me an ID bracelet with my name on it, just in case something happened. I was and still am wearing it. Ironic. End quote. You know what this kind of reminds me of a little bit? Not the circumstances around the death, but the Mm -hmm. tweeting that's coming from his perspective. It's Mm -hmm. almost like the Lovely Bones. Have you read that book? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you get a little bit of her perspective, and I feel like that's what we're getting here. I know. And I think that is what makes Kathleen speaking as if she is speaking for her brother so powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. And that thoughtful gift of the ID bracelet obviously hadn't been enough to save Billy. Someone had taken him from this world long before his time. And know that not only Billy's 
friends, family, and neighbors were wondering, but also the whole city was now asking, who? And that was a question that plagued the family at the time and is still plaguing his siblings today, 43 years later. So his parents have since passed? They have, yes. Unfortunately, the crime scene itself had not provided any answers. The front yard, where he was last known to be, appeared Mm -hmm. as though Billy had just left abruptly. There was no sign of struggle to indicate that someone had abducted him. But the fact that he was found houses and houses away in a direction that he wouldn't have gone in to get Kathleen made his parents wonder if that is exactly what had happened, was an abduction. Now, this would not have been an easy abduction to make, though, right? Because he's a big boy. Mm-hmm. He is. So I would be interested to see, or to discuss, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. how that would have taken place. What mm-hmm. they would have said maybe to lure him away. Right. Because I don't think it would be like the same as picking up a six-year-old and putting him in your car. You Correct. Know? Yeah. And we will definitely talk about that. And even the place where his body was discovered didn't yield many clues. Around his body were beer bottles and other trash, but that was normal by the tracks. Also near his body, there was a knife, but it looked like a wooden-handled kitchen knife, among other items. Well, also, didn't we have like 40 people in the scene? Mm -hmm. So wouldn't that be a huge problem? We've contaminated everything. Absolutely, yes. That was the biggest problem, and you just called it, is because so many people had gathered around Billy, the whole scene was contaminated. And even when concentrating on Billy's personal items, everything seemed to be still with him. So it didn't appear like robbery had been a motive. It appeared as though Billy's death was violence for violence's sake. Sadly, even though Billy's death was a complete shock, an attack on him wasn't. As a matter of fact, Billy had been attacked two times prior. Now you know why his parents called the police immediately. Uh So I'm going to tell you about those first two attacks. But before I do that, I need to tell you about the letters. So remember in the introduction, I told you about some, also some ill-intentioned writing? Now Mm -hmm. is where that begins. So not long after his freshman year had just begun, Billy, along with one of his friends and his girlfriend, had been getting threatening letters in his locker at school. Okay, weird. Yes, these letters, at least some of which were typed in red ink, Others were handwritten, and still others were made up of cut-out letters, which creeped me out the most, I think. All Mm -hmm. of them insinuated that Billy was going to die. Okay. Mm -hmm. They had messages like, blood will spill. 
In addition to that one, the one that his girlfriend received said that Billy had three months to live. And this was received in September. Oh, okay. Billy died on January 7th. Wow. Mm -hmm. After speaking with his parents about him receiving these letters, they had actually encouraged Billy to take the letters to the police, which he did. We talk all the time about the power of DNA to solve crimes because it uniquely identifies us as well as our traits. Codex Lab is taking the power of DNA and also using it for good in creating skincare treatment that is specially designed just for you. Their products are sustainable because they understand the best way to healthy skin is through healthy ingredients. But no matter your skincare concerns, eczema, psoriasis, sensitive, dry, or inflamed skin, they have a product suited just for you. I have been trying out my products for about two weeks now and continue to be thrilled with how much more smooth and healthy my face feels. I have the combination skin kit and it is every product that I would need to balance my skin. A cleanser, a toner, a facial oil, and an oil control cream. They also sell ingestible dietary supplements as well as skincare because they believe in the connection between your skin health and your digestive system. But don't just take our word for it. Codex Labs products are backed by science, not just storytelling. Your DNA and their scientific research drives their products, and we can't wait for you to try them as well. To try Codex Labs products yourself to see just how effective they are, go to www.codexlabscore.com. That's C-O-D-E-X-L-A-B-S-C-O-R-P.com and try their Derm Score. When you decide which products will work best for your skin, use the code COFFEE20 to receive 20% off your purchase. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Okay, Maggie, so let's talk a little bit about these previous attacks. Yeah, because, again, I'm interested to know how Billy would have an enemy and who this person could potentially be. I know. So even though the proximity of Billy's death to that three-month period related to that letter does seem pretty ominous, the first attack on Billy actually also happened in September. So right around the time he started Hmm. receiving those letters. 
Billy had been riding his bike home from a friend's house through the woods near Prairie Lincoln High School, which was not the high school that he was attending. He was only about 50 yards into the wooded area when he was attacked from behind and fell from his bike. It was then that the perpetrators put a garbage bag over his head and using an inner tube. Oh, no. Yeah. Using an inner tube from a bicycle tire, though not from Billy's bike. It didn't sound like in my research. Attempted to (sighs) strangle Billy. Okay. Now that's a little coincidental. I feel like it almost has to be the same person Mm. because they're strangling him and that's how he ends up dying. We'll talk about this. Yes. So they attempt to strangle him. The entire time, Billy was fighting for his life. And miraculously, he was somehow able to fight back enough to make them leave. And I say them Mm. because he believes it was two people. Two people. Billy then ran the rest of the way home and told his mom and dad what had happened. Of course, they immediately took him to file a police report about the incident. And Billy's neck was clearly bruised from the attempted murder. And just as Billy had indicated, when law enforcement went to the scene of the attack, right where he told them it had happened, they found Billy's bike an inner tube from a bike tire, and a trash bag. And alongside that evidence was another note. This one read, he was warned. Now, did they perhaps test any of that for fingerprints? Not that I read anywhere. I wonder what the justification was for that. Yeah, that's a great question. And this is why I was hoping you didn't catch it at the time. But the one tweet where his sister (laughs) learned the word of uh, petechia, of the Mm -hmm. burst blood vessels above the line of strangulation, it said September 1979. And we know he wasn't murdered oh, yeah, until didn't January yeah, of 1980. But that's why. Because in September was the first time when this attempted strangulation took place. But the problem with the investigation wow. into the incident lay in the fact that the attack had happened from behind. So Billy hadn't been able to give law enforcement any description of what his attackers Mm -hmm. looked like because he said they immediately put the garbage bag over his head. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they really planned this out because they knew where he would be, when he would be there, and the best way to attack a guy that's big enough to play Santa Claus. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second attack happened only a month later in late October. This attack was also perpetrated by two males, and again, he was choked. Huh. Coincidental again. Yeah. Billy was collecting money from customers along his newspaper delivery route along Beacon Hill and Maple, which was a heavily traveled area, When a bluish or turquoise car, reports suggest that it may have been a Ford Falcon, pulled alongside him. Two Caucasian men leapt from the car and again 
came at Billy from behind with a rope and tried to strangle him. Okay, so this time he sees these attackers, which is good. Vaguely, yeah. A little bit of a description. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then again, why are grown men trying to kill a 14 year old boy? Good question. Um, As Billy fell to the ground, he was also pulled into some nearby bushes. What the attackers didn't realize is that Billy was still alive. And that he had just lost mm. consciousness. So when he came to, it had been almost five hours since the attack had happened and was close to 1 a.m. Oh, I bet his parents were freaking out. Yes. When he finally got back home, it was to a frantic household. And yet again, here's Billy showing up with neck bruises from where he'd been attacked. So, again, Billy went to the police station to file a report, but this time it was after a visit first to the hospital to treat the severe rope burns around his neck and a head wound. This time, like you said, Maggie, at least while he didn't describe his attackers in great detail, he was at least able to tell law enforcement that the two white men looked to be in their late teens or early 20s. Again, I just don't understand who hates this kid. I'm going to be super interested to see what we say during theories. Mm -hmm. And the effect of these attacks... Oh, my goodness. I mean, it affected everyone, but especially Billy. Tweet, quote, after the second attack, I went nowhere. I stayed home. I wasn't even safe to walk two doors down to a neighbor's house. Who would have thought? End quote. And that was what I was about to say. I bet even walking to get his sister mm-hmm. from that party was a huge feat for him. Mm-hmm. And now you know why at the beginning I said the fact that Billy didn't tell his parents, because he got into the habit very quickly of telling them, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to this place. I'm going to be here. Right? Because. Or I'll be gone this long. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why his parents had called immediately. Of course, after the second attack, Billy quit his paper route. And that was when Mm -hmm. he made that promise to his parents that he would tell them wherever he was going. In fact, all his family were concerned for his safety. One of his older brothers actually begged him continually to be careful wherever he was going. His parents had bought him that ID bracelet just in case something bad happened. You know, when you were listing the gifts that he got for Christmas, I was like, that's a really strange gift. But, mm-hmm. you know, each family's different. So maybe that's just a customary thing they w- did in their family. But now I know mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. And his parents also bought him pepper spray to carry with him for protection. Mm-hmm. That pepper spray had actually been found right beside his body when it was discovered in the third and final attack. He hadn't been able to use it. Oh, so he was... Mm. Mm-hmm. Billy's family, as I feel most would, struggled to figure out how to move on without one of their children. Tweet, 
quote, my last meal was half a bowl of ice cream. I put it in the freezer so I could go get my sis. That bowl stayed in our freezer for three years, end quote. You know, I think that's a really common thing. Mm -hmm. So the day that my brother died in his accident, my mom was making him tomatoes and macaroni, which is a very, you know, Appalachian Mm -hmm. meal. And that like pan of tomatoes and macaroni stayed on our stove stove top until it molded Mm -hmm. because she wouldn't throw it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very, because it's like you... You're so so desperate to hold on to anything, even if it doesn't make sense, you know, because right. mm-hmm. it, it's like it, it represents. Yeah. It's like that the last child. little piece of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it wasn't just Billy Comeen's family that was scared and unable to move forward, especially after the third attack that took Billy's life. Then the whole community was on edge for months afterward. By the summer, and of course his uh, murder happened in January of 1980, by the summer, the fear had begun to fade, but that's when the letters began again. Really? This time, Mm -hmm. who were they targeting? At least eight separate households in the Comines neighborhood, all within close proximity to Billy's home, yes, began having letters arrive. And I say arrive because while some of them were delivered by mail, most were deposited at the homes overnight. So left on cars or front porches and then discovered by the resident the following morning. And the Comines family received letters as well now have we for sure said it's the same person or people that were giving billy and his girlfriend the letters that did these or was it someone just trying to be funny and it's not we will get to that so one of the first to receive a letter was aileen tope a friend of billy's mom In talking of the letters and the fear that accompanied them, she told a news reporter that she didn't know, like you were just saying, if the threat behind the letters were legitimate or whether this were a quote-unquote sick joke related to Billy's death, since most people Mm -hmm. knew of the notes by this point that Billy had received. She told the reporter... I mean, either way, I think you would be terrified if you got one. Absolutely. And Tope was. She told the reporter that she was terrified because she believed that the writer of the letter was at least somebody who was about to, quote, go off the deep end, end quote. That was the sense that the letters gave. I think they already have gone off the deep end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And since the letters were mostly being delivered at night, law enforcement canvassed the area surrounding the Comines' home, but they were unable to find anything suspicious going on. It was then that they began to wonder if, as opposed to being a serious threat, the letters were indeed a cruel joke as Tope had suggested, especially when they determined in their investigation that the handwriting on these new notes didn't match the handwriting on the ones Billy had received in his locker. 
So to answer your question, we at least know this round of notes and those that were received at school, the handwriting did not match. I don't understand why people do that thing, you know? Like, why do I don't people either. think that's funny? I don't know. I don't know. When it's clearly, clearly not. Yeah, distasteful and disgusting. Yes. Even though the handwriting didn't match, the notes had to have been so scary for the recipients because the messages, mm -hmm. even though they were very sh short, were so terrifying. They said things like, parents should guard their children carefully, or time is short, or you are next. Another one read, all have been warned. And then another one, it's time. I mean, this is almost enough that it would make you want to move neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. All of these, it reminds me of the Cindy James case. And it reminds me mm -hmm. of The Watcher. Yeah, that's like what I was about to say. scary, anonymous notes. And the letters continued for months. They began in the summer and they lasted until October when they stopped as quickly as they had begun. But by December 1980, police had arrested the letter writer. It was none oh. other than Aileen Tope, Billy's mom's friend. Shut up. Yes, who lived across the street catty corner to the Comines. The one who went on record with a reporter to say how terrified she was and that someone was, she felt, quote, about to go off the deep end. Okay, so I was right because she clearly has gone off the deep end. So a grown mm -hmm. woman mm -hmm. is threatening children. Yes. Okay. And police had begun to suspect her when she began calling the police, alleging that other crimes were happening to her, like harassment, break-ins, attempted abductions. And so they're, you know, canvassing the neighborhood, and they're like, we haven't seen any of these things. But they especially mm -hmm. began to question her. When they went to everyone, they started to think, I wonder if this is a cruel joke and whoever is writing them is also receiving them so they're not perceived as the guilty party. So they went around asking for handwriting sa samples from all the people who had received the notes. She refused to give them a sample of her handwriting. Ah! So they got a search warrant, and because of that, they were able to determine that Tope had written the letters, something that she did finally Disgusting. admit to doing. Mm -hmm. However, law enforcement were able to determine that she was not in any way connected with Billy's murder, but that something about the letters that Billy had received prior to his death resulted in her copycat actions well i hope she received the help that she needs because clearly she needs some help from a professional and and she she did um get professional help after they determined that she was the letter writer oh well, good but with her ruled out all we have are theories and there are really only two 
that are discussed in this case. Homicide or suicide. See, I thought when you were talking about the like initial investigation and the cause of death, I thought mm-hmm. you were going to say that they ruled it a suicide mm. because that's immediately where I went. If I were mm-hmm. an investigator, I would mm-hmm. say it was suicide. Mm-hmm. And there are people who believe that Billy could have done all of this to himself. So let's talk about those two theories. And then I want to hear what you think. So let's start with the suicide theory. There are some, including detectives, who believe that Billy's death was suicide, though perhaps accidental. Right? So I don't think there's anybody who thinks that he necessarily was trying to take his life, even those who believe this theory. Is it like one of those... Is it like one of those things where it was really popular for a while? Kids would use like ties or something like that and choke themselves until they passed out because they got like a high from it. Yeah. So those who believe this theory do tend to believe that that is the link uh, with Billy. They argue that maybe Billy had been drawn to that, like you said, the autoerotic asphyxiation. So they argue that it is plausible that Billy sent the original letters to himself, which I do find weird because that obviously doesn't tie just directly to this autoerotic asphyxiation. Right? Like, why would you send yourself a letter? And I think I could maybe get behind this accidental suicide if it was the third incident by itself. Right. But it's hard for me. I'll see what else you say. But it's hard for me to get behind it with the two other incidents and the letters. Mm -hmm. So I'm Mm -hmm. interested to see. Yeah. The letters themselves, especially, because those predated... Any of the, well, they believe that the attacks, Mm -hmm. they would put air quotes around them. But the letters predate that. So why would you have even sent yourself letters before anything was going to happen? But they theorize that even the attacks were made up potentially as ways to explain the bruising that happened from asphyxiation. Right? So it was asphyxiation, yes, but that the choking choking was a chosen act on his part. So those who believe this theory, they question why. Here are the problems they see with what happened as Billy told it, as I told you in the case. So those who believe this theory, they question why in the first incident that he was attacked, someone had attacked him when they couldn't possibly have known he would be there. And it's interesting because when I was talking about the attack, you said, oh, these perpetrators must have been prepared. They had everything Mm -hmm. they needed and they were waiting on him like they knew what route he was going to take. But this route home from a friend's house to his own was not his normal route, nor was it a direct route. So for a lot of people, that means it could not have been targeted. And so then they say... Could he have potentially been followed? 
Now, yes, absolutely. So those who don't believe the suicide theory, who do believe that he was attacked, that would be how they explain how they were still okay. still targeting him, right? Is that they maybe they were near the friend's house and they saw him. And so, like you said, they just followed him. But those who believe the suicide theory, they say, well, is that why he couldn't describe the attackers? Right? And then they say, and besides that, who would have brought a bicycle tire inner tube to the scene? Right. Yeah, that wouldn't be really a choice. Random yeah. and specific. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are the questions that people have. Though, again, you can play devil's advocate and you can say, well, he couldn't describe his attackers because he was attacked from behind and he had a garbage bag immediately put over his head. Exactly. I mean, so of course he couldn't describe mm-hmm. them. And then maybe the bicycle inner tube because they're teenagers and this is 1980. I mean, teenagers are, before they're driving, they're riding their bikes around. So this would have been something that a lot of kids would have had. Like right? easy access to. Yeah. For the second incident, those who believe, believe the suicide theory, they question how Billy could have been attacked by two people on a well-traveled street and drug under bushes with not a single witness coming forward to have seen this attack. And do you, you may have said, but remind me, what time of day was it that this second attack took place it was late at night because he came to i did the math myself so he came to at 1 a.m and he realized that he yeah he had been unconscious for five hours so it happened around 8 p.m around eight o'clock mm-hmm but we are in january which means it's dark rush hour exactly and it's mm-hmm. dark. So again, yeah. we can we can come it's, up it with it can happen. Yeah. It's also because of these questions paired with zero leads for who would want to attack Billy. And you asked that yourself, Maggie. You were like, mm-hmm. I need to know what possible person would have haunt- wanted to hurt a boy like this. And police came up right. with nothing. Nothing. And so they're thinking, okay, we have zero motive, zero leads for who would have wanted to hurt him. And we have all these questions. And that is why law enforcement themselves actually brought Billy in to the station four days after the second attack to have him take a lie detector test concerning his reports. Uh. Mm-hmm. They said that the results showed potential deception. But again, let's play devil's advocate. Maybe, you know, they're saying, did you know who your attackers were? Right? Especially in the second one. Mm-hmm. And if he says no... Couldn't that also couldn't that show deception if let's say he did know who they were, but he's so scared for his life that he wants to be protected. He wants the protection from law enforcement oh. because he was attacked, but he doesn't mm-hmm. want to tell them who it was because then he feels like 
there's really going to be no way out alive. Right. And so there are a lot of things. If there was indeed potential deception and if we can trust the results of a polygraph test that could have led to those results. Right, which we know we can't always. Exactly. And then they question, those who believe this theory, could Billy have been living a double life that his family wasn't aware of? And then they bring up the use of Valium. Because, again, I didn't see anything about needle marks. Right. And that kind of threw me off, too. Mm -hmm. Because when you first mentioned it, I thought it maybe was something that whoever abducted him injected into him to make him calm and just kind of, you know, easier to manipulate and kind of go with the flow. But if there were no injection marks, then he had to take it and... I don't think it sounded like it was a large amount of Valium to where he would, you know, right. be super loosey-goosey Mm-mm. or whatever. Mm-mm. So, I don't know. That one kind of throws me off a little. I know. And I will say, just because I didn't read anything about needle marks doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't. I just didn't find that mentioned right. anywhere in my research. And as for the final incident that took his life... Those who believe the suicide theory, they question, how was he gone from his own yard without a peep unless he chose to leave on his own? They argue that had the same attacker shown up at his home, he would have never gotten into a car with them. After all, he said Mm -hmm. they had tried to kill him on two prior occasions. So wouldn't he have screamed versus going with them, knowing that they're going to try to kill him anyway? Like, you know what's going to happen. just in the garage. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he would have heard anything. And like you said, why would you willingly go with someone who you know is going to hurt you? Right. At least try to scream and get somebody's attention so they can maybe run out and see them or Mm -hmm. something. And then they questioned if he had been attacked before, wouldn't he have fought back this time as well? And remember, there's no defensive marks on his body. Right. So if this were an attack, why no other injuries? I mean, I guess we could say... That he forgot to tell his parents he was walking down to get his sister and the abduction happened, you know, in between those two doors of the neighborhood that he was in. Mm -hmm. But even still, I just don't think that would be very easy to do because it's not like you're kidnapping a little kid. You're kidnapping a half-grown man. Right. Yeah, so it's, it becomes very difficult difficult when you start asking the questions, right? There are definitely questions. So you can see why there are some people who do believe suicide. But to play devil's Mm -hmm. advocate to that theory is, in essence, to discuss the validity of that second possible theory that Billy's death truly is a homicide. And Even experts at the FBI, when they were asked their opinion of the suicide theory, completely dismissed it. So FBI investigators were basically like, no, this is a homicide. Yeah. I mean, if Billy had 
for example, just written those letters to himself, my primary question is, for what purpose? Why would he have written letters? I get, okay, let's say you believe the suicide theory. You can say that he had autoerotic asphyxiation and had done this to himself. And then, of course, he gets home and he has to figure out a way to explain the bruising to his parents. So he says, oh, I was attacked or whatever it is. But there are elements to the story that just don't fit with that narrative. There's nothing. Well, right, because if... If we're saying that that's what it is, then why would he have done little things like quit his paper route? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But unless he's that dedicated to playing along with this story, which I don't think he would be. And right. why would he make sure he tells his parents everywhere he's going mm-hmm. when he's doing this to himself? Exactly. Yeah. If, if it's all a charade, that's a, far too involved in every aspect of his life charade. Right. And, you know, as for the other questions that people had, couldn't he have just as likely have been stalked? And that's how people knew where Mm -hmm. he was? Of course. That could explain how they had known his schedule, his paper route, uh, when he would be alone, and planned accordingly. I mean, it happens all the time. We talk about those cases all the time. Mm -hmm. Plus, in the final incident... He was wearing his big gloves that he had gotten for Christmas. And you know, do you know how hard it is to do anything when you're wearing those big winter gloves? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You can, I can't. Those are like mittens and they're exactly. super thick. Yeah, I can't do anything. Like, I can't even pick up my keys and put them in my ignition. So you're telling me yeah. he was wearing those big gloves and yet he somehow made his own scarf so tight with those gloves on, that it had to be cut off? Well, I guess you could say he would have time to take those off and put them back on. Maybe. I don't think that would be a super quick way to die. But, or, you know, in this case, he doesn't think he's going to. Let's say you're going to do that. Why would he have gone to that location, Mm -hmm. knowing that he has to go pick his sister up two doors down, and he's going to be missed, do that to himself? Yeah, this is not the timing. It's different than saying, like, oh, this happened to me on my way home from school. Right, right. Or, you know, when I'm on my paper route versus I'm going to be going to get my sister in, like, 30 minutes. And less than that. Yeah, leaving my yard in the middle of taking down Christmas decorations, knowing I've got to go in 10 minutes to go pick up my sister. Oh, I'm going to walk 16 houses in the opposite direction to do this to myself? It doesn't, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah, that's true. And if the letters that he and his friends had received were legitimate threats and there was a letter at that first scene that said he was warned, isn't it just as likely as him being the letter writer himself, again, that he had been followed by the letter writers and that they tried to carry through on their threats? Absolutely. Mm. And as for the deception on the lie detector test, like I said, I think you could easily explain that away if he potentially did know the identity of his attackers, but he was too afraid to name them. That's what comes to mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, in first. school all the time, kids mm-hmm. lie about that stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Whose jewel pot is that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you do. Right. Yeah. And finally, as for how and why he had left his home without making a sound, right? Because that is a question. If he is being, Mm -hmm. if something is happening to him, how or why was he taken from his home without screaming or whatever? It is possible that that knife that was collected and is in evidence, the kitchen knife with the wooden handle that was found near his body, was used to make him be quiet. To lure Mm, him into a car or something like that. In terms of leads concerning who, Billy's parents previously stated that they didn't believe that all of Billy's friends and classmates had actually been questioned as they should have to rule out involvement. Because obviously this would be someone, at least you can narrow it down to that. Yeah. Because if he's receiving these letters in school. Yeah, they school, have to have access to school. hmm Tweet, quote, since I was attacked three times, my murderer probably lived on the far west side of Columbus or Galloway area in Ohio, end quote. And that's the other thing is that not only did this murderer likely go to school with Billy, because how else would they have put letters, you know, in his locker at school, but Mm -hmm. had to be familiar with the areas where they're going. Mm -hmm. Luckily, unlike some of the cases that we've covered, evidence from the case was collected and well protected over the years. Obviously, this crime occurred before DNA testing was, you know, something done in these investigations. But as years pass, DNA testing techniques have only grown stronger. And thankfully, there was evidence that was collected from the crime scene that could now be tested. So there was the knife. Yep, the knife that I just mentioned was collected. There was a beer bottle near the body that was collected and Billy's scarf. Mm -hmm. And I read in 2013 that evidence was sent to the state crime lab to be tested. But here we are 10 years later and I wasn't able to find in any of my research anything about results. And a lot of the tweets that I read were saying, you know, still waiting on DNA results, still waiting on results. But it shouldn't take 10 years. Hmm. So Maggie, what are your thoughts? So I can see how the suicide theory could be tempting because Mm -hmm. I think we can make the circumstances fit suicide as easily as we can homicide with a little bit of twisting uh-huh. of, you know, what I'm saying, like right. making things fit. I think you uh-huh. can make the suicide theory fit if you try really hard. Uh-huh. My personal belief is that the FBI agents are highly trained, yes. highly skilled, yes. highly intelligent people. And if they think it is homicide, then I too am going to believe that it's homicide. Yeah. And like you said, I feel like, okay, if you really tried, you could maybe argue the suicide theory. But to me, there are so many mm-hmm. different elements to it 
that a suicide theory would we have not to explain, explain away a lot exactly yeah and yeah all of the questions that people have of the attacks i believe that you can easily think of potential reasons or ways to mm-hmm. answer those questions yes. even with a homicide theory yes agreed since it was words that created fear for Billy and others in his community. I find it only fitting that his sister Kathleen has found catharsis in using words to heal. Tweet, quote, My sister has the rocking chair I used to sit in. She sometimes puts her hands on the arms, remembering my hands there. I see her cry, end quote. She cries, because she loves so deeply. It's the same tears that came for Billy's mother when she wrote a letter to the boy next door explaining why Santa wouldn't be stopping by with a candy cane the next year. In an article titled Christmas Not Same Without Billy by Tom Fennessy, that letter was shared. And now I'll share it with you. Quote, Dear little buddy, This Christmas Eve, as you prepare for your fifth Christmas, Santa Claus will not be knocking on your door. You learn to expect this happy soul to come bearing the biggest candy cane of the season. Your mommy always had you dressed up and was ready to snap pictures of this happy event. The first Christmas Eve that Santa came, even your mommy was not aware he was coming. Remember, that was your second Christmas and you had just been released from the hospital after spending many months lying near death. Naturally, Santa Claus's favorite time of year is Christmas and the giving of gifts. He wanted you to be a part of all the happy Christmases as he had been. Santa Claus would play with you during the summer months, pitching that ball back and forth and admiring your little dump trucks You didn't know this happy-go-lucky, blonde-haired person sharing the hot summer months with you was the same white-haired, bearded man who bounced you on his knee Christmas Eve. Buddy, last Christmas, your fourth Christmas, and Santa Claus's 14th here on Earth was the last. The absolute last that this beautiful occasion will ever be celebrated with the same two lovely people because Santa Claus died, buddy. Please, buddy's mother, hide the news from your little boy and someday, when he's a man, explain to him why Santa Claus did not come this Christmas Eve. I will still bring his candy cane over, but please do not see the tears in my eyes. Your dear little buddy called him Santa but I called him son, end quote. Fennessy ended the article with these words, quote, Mrs. Comeen said she cried, writing this. She said she intended it as a loving memorial, end quote. Her tears were, and tears in general, can always be, a loving memorial. And so too are words used to fight for justice. 
tweet, quote, They tried to silence me 34 years ago, but I'm louder than ever, end quote. Yes, Kathleen, his story and his memories are, thanks to you. Anyone with information is asked to call the Franklin County Sheriff's Department in Columbus, Ohio at 614-525-3333 or submit a tip anonymously by going to sheriff.franklincountyohio.gov. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. It's Love Notes with Maggie and Allison. Whoop, whoop. And we really need it after that super I know. depressing I'm, outro. I'm, listen, I'm sniffling. I've got tears I'm wiping away. I, oh, I cried every time I read that account of Santa. Every yeah, time. Yeah, the little buddy. Oh. It's so sad. So sad. But we're turning yes. on a happy page That's right. Now. That's right. That's right. And we want to send a little. <laughs> yeah. Turn the page. And we want to send love to Keely, Amanda, Amy, Rebecca, Stacy, Alexis, Michelle, Joanna, Sam, Sarah, Suzanne, Leah, Paula, Tiffany, Singa, Clara, Brittany, Julia, and everybody else who reached out to us this week on social media showing your love and support. Also, I hope I pronounced all of your names correctly. If I didn't, (laughs) I apologize, but I love you and you're amazing. Yes. And I want to send some love to our friends at A Nefarious Nightmare Podcast, whose promo Mm -hmm. you heard at the top of the episode. They left us a review and wrote, quote, Hi, I love this podcast so much. We recently featured your Dulce Alaves case on our feed, and I am so in love with the forethought you have in your episodes. So different because I've never heard that in any other podcast. Please keep up the great work. This podcast deserves 50 stars, end quote. I know. And listen, Courtney, one of the hosts, and I just had a conversation this last week about my earnest conviction. And Maggie, I know you feel the same way that of all communities of podcasters, true crime podcasters who are serious about helping and making a difference should be supporting one another because it's not a competition when justice is at stake. Yeah. And the ladies at A Nefarious Nightmare feel the exact same. So I truly hope that you, our sleuth hounds, check out their pod and that you also leave them a review to let them know that Maggie and Allison sent you. 
Right, because it can be very hard to be on this podcasting road, and it's nice to have support from listeners and support from other people who are on the same journey as we are. So they are amazing. So please check them out. Yes, yes, please do. And we also have love to send to 77S Joster, I think. Sure. Who wrote us this lovely review? Quote, thank you, ladies, for your dedication to these cases and bringing awareness to many I've never heard of. Keep it up. And thank Mm. you for that. And sorry that I can't pronounce names, but we appreciate (laughs) that very sweet review. Yes, we do. Your support is wonderful. So thank you. And we also have lots of love going out to TGIW21. who wrote of our pod, quote, these ladies are doing their best to bring awareness to the public about cases that need attention. These cases are well-researched. The women clearly care and the episodes are well-rounded, end quote. So thank you so, so much. We also want to make sure that all of our listeners saw our social media post this last week because it was directed to listeners who have stuck with us through everything. Listeners like you, we want to deeply apologize for one of the ads that played on our show that we did not choose to play. Um, Yeah, not approved. Soon as we found out about it, we made them take it down. And so we just apologize that it was even aired in the first place. Yes, deepest apologies. We felt horrible. Yes, And I want to be the first to, one, let you know that Patreon has been acting up a little bit. That's why your last two March minis are late, but they are going to be up. Hopefully, they should be available by the time you're listening to this Mm -hmm. on Thursday. They should already be there. But we want to send some love out to our newest Patreon member who is returning back to us on Patreon, Mm -hmm. and that is Mary. We miss you, and we're very glad that you're back with us. Uh, yes. Anytime, if you guys have to leave, come back, because we will welcome yes. you with open arms. And <laughs> if you would like to hear bonus content, because once a week just isn't enough, head on over to patreon.com forward slash coffee and cases to join. And any level from $5 up gets you bonus content. So make sure to check it out. And with that, all of our love is going out to each and every one of you. Until next week, Sleuth Hounds.